The continuing fallout from an election that shocked Democrats across this country. A big Second Amendment case goes in front of the Supreme Court. And the first ever sex scene to take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Thursday Need to Know. Let's go. Morning, gang. It's uh, Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for November 4th. I'm Carlo Versano here once again with Baker Machado. Ah, happy Thursday, Carlo Versano. Great to see you as always. Um, some housekeeping items, uh, just to let you know. Uh, I'm very proud, and I know our listeners are very proud as well. I made it an entire podcast episode yesterday <laughs> without swearing. The goal again today is to do yes. the exact same. But one thing I did think about, um, you know, Heaven forbid if I got this show canceled, I, I don't know how I would be able to live with myself for the rest of my life. The guilt would just be too much. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe down the road, uh, we institute a, a swear a jar on this show. Oh, that's a good idea. So, yeah. you know, because I, I was telling to you, I was saying to you off uh, before we started this, you know, I, I, I've never sworn on television my entire life, you know, in the almost yeah. eight years I've been on television, somehow I have like the the, the governor in my brain's like, oh yeah, don't do that, <laughs> don't do that, that's not a good idea. But somehow with you, you're just, your personality, your charisma, <laughs> your charm, all of those okay. things somehow have not been able to tell me to, 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 to act like a professional on this show. So I'm well, working you know on it. I, yeah, I get it. I mean, I've been, I, I've cursed. I've, I've found myself uh, just barely, you know, remembering at the last second not to. But we're, it is a family show. We're, we know we've got some younger people listening. Yes, um, we do. Yes, and we do. so we do have to try and at least keep it clean. But Jill, Jill keeps me on my toes about that because I, I, it's like I feel like if I curse with Jill, she's gonna like be mad at me, oh, and I don't but, want that. But by the way, <laughs> you know that is saying something. If you have to sort of be the voice of reason on this show, like somehow I'm the professional news anchor, but yet you're yes. the person that sort has to rein in <laughs> how crazy totally. this thing gets. Uh, Carlos, speaking of crazy, we're really sort of just diving in through all the crazy headlines and going through basically the post-mortem of what happened in the election mm -hmm. on Tuesday night. And wild news in New Jersey, uh, Democrat Governor Phil Murphy narrowly re-elected to be uh, the governor again in New Jersey. By the way, the first Democrat since 1977 to win re-election in the state of New Jersey. He prevailed in a shockingly close race that combined with broader gains by Republicans across the country on Tuesday night signal some serious problems for Democrats ahead of the midterms next year. Republicans made significant inroads in suburbs of Virginia, New Jersey, and even here in New York City, all among voters who had previously just been turned off by Donald mm -hmm. Trump. Now, exit polls in Virginia illustrate the shift. White women swung 15 points to Republicans just a year after they helped President Biden carry the state by 10 points. A couple other interesting sort of nuggets in terms of the the Virginia numbers in particular. Um, uh, Joe Biden won Virginia black women voters by yep. over 90% in 2020. Glenn Youngkin almost got 20% of black yep. women voters on Tuesday night. Yes, while that is still an incredibly low, low, low number, you have to sort of see the inroads you're starting yep. to make with groups that traditionally vote Democratic. And you could also make the same case for Latino voters as well, uh, who have yep. really embraced Republicans over the course of the last few election cycles. 
yeah, Youngkin won, won notable chunks, not just of black women, of Hispanic voters and Asian voters in places like Loudoun County, sort of like the wealthy um, uh, suburbs of Virginia. This is widely seen as a brewing backlash uh, over schools, right? There's this perception out there, right or wrong, that Democrats are messing with school boards. And that is kryptonite, man. You will lose your base, as you're seeing happen now, if they think that you're not on the side of parents. And I think that's one of the big uh, big takeaways from this election. The Democrats have two problems, as I see them, right? The, the, the first problem here is that they control the government and they don't appear to be able to get anything done. That's the biggest thing. This was reflected in exit polls. People, you know, people said, voters interviewed said, like, these guys, what are they doing? Like, why are, what are they doing? They control the government. Like, there's no excuse for not getting some of these bills passed, not making things better uh, in our everyday life, right? It, only in Washington can you not pass your hugely popular infrastructure bill before people actually go to the polls, <laughs> right? It, it's like astounding. But the second thing, and this is a broader broader issue. Um, but the Democrats have a real messaging problem. And I, you know, I go back to what James Carville said. I continue to think that I know a is lot of people. Is the economy stupid? Well, that was one of his main things. But the thing that he, he calls this faculty lounge politics, which I think is a great sort of descriptor. And what he means by that is when Democrats use words like Latinx uh, or birthing person, like, wh what is a birthing person? You mean a mother? Right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm going to get uh, people are going to be mad at me for saying that. But sorry, that's an absurd phrase. It's also, frankly, misogynistic. But, uh, you know, mothers give birth to children. But the, the, the broader point that I'm trying to make is I, I'm all for inclusivity. Right. And the Democrats are the big tent party. So they have to be inclusive. But regular voters don't talk like this. Regular people don't say things like birthing person and Latinx. Not even Latinos say Latinx, which we've seen in many surveys now. Um, right? The, the minority vo voters that they're pandering to with this language find it repellent. And when, when politicians talk like that, this goes back to what Carville has, has said many times here. It's, it, people see it as arrogant. They see it as condescending. And it makes it seem like these politicians are focused on issues that just aren't the issues that are front and center to actual voters, especially voters that are trying to make it through all of the issues that are out there right now, the pandemic, school closures, inflation, rising prices, supply chain issues, all of that stuff. So, again, this is a problem for Democrats because their ideas are broadly popular. Just look at Florida last year, right? Florida, they passed an, a $15 minimum wage easily. They gave felons franchise, right? They gave felons the right to vote last year. This is Florida, a state that Democrats have basically written off. But when you have the party leaders out there talking about nothing but race and identity, it turns people off. And I don't know when are they going to realize this if they haven't already. You're about to have a situation, Baker, where Republicans are going to be rebranding themselves as the party of parents while simultaneously voting against paid parental leave, the child tax care credit, uh, universal pre-K, et cetera. And it'll work because Democrats are just completely feckless on messaging. They're always playing defense. Listen, you bring up some very interesting arguments and even the sort of evolution Republicans have tried to be over the years of the party of the working people now, which traditionally was always the Democratic base. You was always the the, yeah. the union voters, all of that. Because even listen to Marco Rubio, the senator from, uh, from Florida, he's really coming out against big business. And he has said, look, if we want to be the majority party down the road, we need to be the party of the working people. And it's sort of crazy, this evolution over the last couple decades of both parties where the Republicans have become an increasingly rural, um, increasingly mm -hmm. white, 
increasingly, um, uh, you know, now now working class party, Democrats have become the opposite. It's the highly yeah. educated. It's uh, it's now the big business. Now Wall Street's basically now attached to the Democratic Party as well, which is something that Republicans are trying to run on as well. Clearly, it's messaging issue, and it's interesting also because. We talked about this yesterday. Some Democrats were worried that if they were able to get the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed in the House or in Congress, at least, that could have potentially helped uh, Terry McAuliffe, da you know, win win election in, in Virginia. I, I don't. I, I think it was a little bit more localized than that. But what was interesting yeah. was yesterday you had the most moderate House member, Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey tweet out that this is now the time for Democrats to get these bills done. And that was retweeted yesterday by Pramaya Jayapal, the chairman of the Progressive mm -hmm. Caucus. So it's almost like moderates and progressives got the message on Tuesday night. And now it, potentially we might maybe have a vote this week. Nancy Pelosi might schedule that vote at least either today or tomorrow potentially yeah. to get the bipartisan infrastructure bill done. I don't know what the messaging is that they have to do to fix uh, in, in, in preparation for next year, but you have to feel incredibly confident your Republicans. Yesterday, Kevin McCarthy said he thinks Republicans might do better than they did back uh, in uh, 2009 when they retook the House, yep. when they got 60 plus uh, House seats, when they flipped the chamber. He's actually super bullish. He's thinking they're going to get more than 60. I don't think they're going to get 60. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's still a lot, um, but it, you'd have to feel incredibly confident right now if you're Republicans. Yeah, I, look, I don't want to harp on this too much. I, and again, this is an off cycle year. There's only so much that you can uh, sort of take away from from some of these races. But it is this was a red flashing warning sign for the Democrats. First of all, Ter Terry McAuliffe. I mean, can they stop putting up uh, like th these people are yesterday's news, man? This guy's like the chairman a, of the uh, Democratic Party like 15 years ago. Uh, yeah, come on. Like have some better candidates out there. But look, Virginia is one thing. But it, it, and there, again, there's only so much one statewide race can implicate nationally. But uh, but this was a wipeout everywhere. Long Island, Queens, New Jersey, even though Murphy is going to end up winning in New Jersey, no one expected it to be that close. In in the uh, state Senate in New Jersey, the Democrat looks like he's going to be ousted by a truck driver I saw that. who spent who spent less than $200 on his yeah. campaign. Republicans cleaned up in local races on Long Island. That was largely due to, to uh, what appears to be a backlash to rising crime. A Latino Republican flipped the te uh, Texas Senate seat in San Antonio. Here in New York City, Vito Fasella elected the borough president in Staten Island. If you don't remember this guy, this he's somebody who was run out of office like 15 years ago when a DUI revealed that he had a secret family, and now he's back. It's like nothing matters anymore, right? Right. That, that, that's the conversation we had yesterday. Trump yeah, basically yeah, right. opened the door for anybody to have some crazy thing in their past, and it's no big deal. And traditionally, it would have sunk any sort of candidate. Right. I, I do want to talk, because you mentioned crime, because this is really interesting, because a lot of New Yorkers you know, were concerned about the, the level of crime. And, and the reason why I think it's going to be more top of mind for people is because of the situation that's happening in the Supreme Court, because the Supreme yeah. Court seems prepared to strike down a handgun law here in the state of New York in a big Second Amendment case that would determine whether Americans have a constitutional right to carry a loaded and concealed weapon in public, Carlo. In oral arguments, all six conservative justices appeared inclined to side with the challenge uh, backed by the NRA against the state of New York. Uh, this would essentially mean, uh, and the law basically states here in New York, in particular places, be it a restaurant, Times yeah. Square, Subway, wherever, you can't bring a concealed handgun in those areas. The yeah. debate among the conservative justices was, it doesn't seem like they're going to strike down 
across the board, but maybe just here in New York. It wouldn't be basically this broad ruling that would affect the entire country. It might just affect us here in New York. But for a lot of us who are concerned about crime in this city, and we just went through a shooting in Times Square, on a personal note, I feel like the last thing the city needs is more guns on the street. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? They're going to overturn this law, which means that, again, in New York, but if once the Supreme Court overturns it, it will probably uh, mean a lot of these other state laws will also go down. But it, yeah, people will essentially have the right to unfettered uh, gun access in public places like the subway, Times Square on New Year's Eve, national parks, right? But just, this is just like you said, just what the New York City subway needs is more guns. Like I know. what, you know, I just picture like some rube tourist coming to the big city with his Glock on his waist and he's going to like get in a shootout on the F train with some crazy person who looks at him the wrong way. Like that's what will end up happening with this. Um, but the other thing with this is like, aren't conservatives supposed to be all about state rights? Isn't that the whole sort of point of the of the movement? They're just such hypocrites, right? Because because they're all about uh, the Supreme Court getting involved in this and basically saying that they that they can make a decision based on a uh, you know a law intended for a city like New York, where everybody lives on top of each other and is a very different place than maybe like rural Texas, where carrying a concealed weapon is you know, considered more normal, right? The only thing I would add to this, uh, and, and those who are more gun control advocates maybe are, are taking at least like a sliver of, of some interest in this, Monday when we heard the oral arguments of the abortion case in front of the justices, uh, the Texas case, the Texas abortion case, Brett Kavanaugh is, li is largely seen as the swing justice in all of this. And he was really sort of interesting in his questioning on Monday because he essentially asked the Texas, um, the Texas lawyers that are representing, you know, the state of Texas, you know, what's to stop a state like New York or California from instituting yeah. this sort of bounty program that you have in Texas when it comes to gun rights. So like you're basically having this bounty vigilante program in Texas regarding the abortion rights. What happens in California if all of a sudden the state of California decides we're going to start a vigilante tax or a fine on people who are bringing AK-47s yeah. or AK-15s or anything else? Could you basically see that down the road in other blue states? So my only thing I'm, I'm thinking about here is even if they rule some sort of ruling on this case today, down the road, this might give somebody like Brett Kavanaugh pause to approve the Texas case, mm. the abortion case, for fear that you would have other states basically create their own sort of vigilante bounty programs based on social issues that they disagree with. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have an abortion rule in Texas that's different from a gun law that's in New York State. Right, exactly. All right, let's talk about the Fed here, Carlo. They have announced plans to start tapering their monthly bond buying program that is widely seen as having kept the economy from collapsing during the pandemic by regularly injecting billions of dollars into the financial system. Other central bank, uh, banks around the world also starting to scale back their monetary support as well. But the market didn't react much to the long anticipated announcement from Jerome Powell. I mean, I feel like we've been expecting this announcement from Powell for like yeah. a year now, mostly because he didn't appear to lay the groundwork for raising interest rates down the road so far yeah the process of unwinding these uh, asset purchases excuse me asset purchases i can't speak to, uh, today again baker <laughs> it's the thursday <laughs> struggles I, you're on the struggle bus with me oh man but anyway the process of unwinding these asset purchases by the fed it's the precursor to raising interest rates which would have at least historically have the effect of, uh, you know, curbing some of this rising inflation that we're seeing, which is the current concern here. But Powell has maintained that he still thinks that all of this uh, inflationary pressure we're seeing is a ripple effect from the pandemic and that the Fed can kind of manage it without raising rates anytime soon. So I think that's why you saw the market kind of like shrug this off. Um, and again, like you said, 
we were widely expecting to see that starting to happen here. Yeah, and we'll also just see the strength of the economy coming out of the pandemic when no longer you have those safeguards in place. But mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, everybody believes the economy is, is, is getting stronger by the day, uh, even though the labor market is in a completely different story. Yep. Meanwhile, three Boeing 747s landed at Heathrow this week, were reportedly stocked to the brim with PlayStation 5 consoles. Sony has been chartering decommissioned British Airways jets to deliver the ungettable gaming console to store shelves in the UK, bypassing the delays at the ports ahead of the holidays. Now, there are signs, by the way, that some of these supply chain issues may be starting to ease, especially as COVID recedes in big manufacturing areas in Southeast Asia. We've been seeing it in earnings reports for a myriad of different retailers, how they're trying to sort of get around the supply chain yeah. issues where they'll fly their own planes with all of the stuff on them, just like what we saw here with Sony, yeah. um, just to try to get all of their stuff out in, term, in, in preparation for the holidays. My mother asked me the other day, I couldn't believe this, we were talking about how Mariah Carey owns the last few months. My mother just asked me yesterday, hi, I need your Christmas list because I don't know, you know, when these <laughs> things are going to get here. I'm like, Mom, I don't even know what I'm making for Thanksgiving dinner at this point. I, my mom always asked me for my Christmas list, too. I'm like, I'm 37 years old. Like, I, sh I should have a Christmas list. But then I'm immediately like, okay, I can think of a few things I probably want. Right, right, of um, course. But, but back to the supply chain, yeah, October vehicle sales uh, were up. That is a, that's a sign that I think suggests that we may have bottomed out. You know, uh, back, just back to the politics of all this, right? A lot of the Democrats' problems, I think, are going to get better on their own over the next year. I think particularly the supply chain issues, just sort of the state of the pandemic, without them having to actually do anything. Uh, so I do kind of agree with the Fed chair on that. Um, but on, specifically on PlayStation 5, which is like the going to be the hot sort of thing of the holiday season if you can get it restocks of that console have been increasing uh here in the u.s but uh, automated bots have made it almost impossible to snag one of these things online um which again this is something baker that i'm going to add to my presidential platform here uh, <laughs> so so far my platform i think and and some yep. listeners can remind me D if i'm get missing rid any. of latinx and, Yes, yes. So I probably would be uh, un, you know, I would, I would lose a Democratic <laughs> primary, uh, but I would probably be elected president just on that. Um, so yes, my my presidential platform as as follows: Any pro sports championship series has to start before 7 p.m. Eastern time. I agree with that. Yes, yeah. you have my and vote I know so that, far. Yes, I know that that uh, will upset people on the West Coast, but I don't care about those people. I care about me. <laughs> um, I would institute criminal charges against robocallers. Oh, that, interesting. Okay, I'm into that. that. That's a big one. Uh, and I would ban these bots online that make it all like impossible to buy anything these True. days. Any sort of like hot product now you can't get. Listen, you um, could, by the yeah. way, you would have my vote 100% sign seal delivered if you also outlaw daylight savings time because right now it's oh, getting. Oh, that's another one. Because right now it's getting dark at 4.30 and I just, I can't deal with that right now. And it's about to get worse because we throw the clocks back uh, this weekend. Oh yeah, I think. it's this weekend, yeah. Carlo. Not now. My life is. I'm coming. I'm going to work and coming home, and it's dark on no. both ends of my day. I feel like I, I'm never going to see the sun at least for the next six months. It's crazy. We have a society where we per, where we don't have to 
but we make it so that it gets darker during the workday. It's like, yeah. why do we do this again? I know, uh, I know. All right, let's move on to this wild story in the NFL. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID-19, and he's going to sit out Sunday's game against the Chiefs. So that essentially confirms that Aaron Rodgers is unvaccinated, and that's because vaccinated players don't have to automatically isolate under the NFL's COVID protocol. Rodgers under fire not just because he didn't get the vaccine, but because he appears to have misled the league and the public about his vaccination status when he was asked at one point early on in the season uh, if he was vaccinated, he had basically sort of given a white lie almost in a sense saying that he's yeah. been immunized. So everybody basically took that to assume he had been inoculated by one of the vaccines yeah. out there. But it turned out he was actually doing a different sort of therapeutic here that was not approved, not by the NFL or by his team at the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, some really kind of like slimy language there, mm -hmm. kind of like Bill Clinton-esque. I know, right? right? Like, depends on the, your definition of is. Um, since then, he has been observed kind of like flouting the NFL's rules for unvaccinated players. He's, he hasn't been wearing a mask at indoor press conferences or on the sidelines at Lambeau. Uh, so that's suggesting that he was vaccinated when he clearly wasn't. Like what, what I just kind of like really He would just went behavior. out for Halloween dressed as, uh, as, uh, as John Wick and he was out without mm -hmm. a mask also. And again, I'm not saying it's bad that he's out without a mask, but he did it when he wasn't vaccinated and he let, misled everybody to assume that he was. I mean, this is, at least with yeah. Kirk Cousins, you know, the quarterback from, you know, Minnesota, who has basically said he's not getting the vaccine and he will stand in those plexiglass sh things as long as humanly possible so he doesn't get the vaccine. Even if you disagree with what he's doing, at least we know. At least he's being honest. At least yeah. he's being honest. At least we know that he is being, out, you know, he's being defined that he's not getting it. Aaron Rodgers just kept this kind of in this gray area here. Yeah, it's really, oh God. And by the way, he's dude. this happened as he's putting up some great MVP numbers for the Packers yeah. and they're having a really good season. Uh, and again, they're playing, uh, Jordan Love is gonna have to play quarterback for the Packers this weekend uh, against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but the Chiefs definitely need a rebound this weekend. Um, okay, let's talk about this other crazy story in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the first sex scene in the history of a Marvel movie Coming to a theater near you this weekend, The Eternals, directed by the Oscar-winning indie director Chloe Zhao, includes a brief but unmistakable love scene between superheroes, but still skates by with a PG-13 rating. It's a first for the MCU where sex is famously implied, uh, but it's never ever shown in these movies, Carlo. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's cool, I guess. I, the the Eternals also uh, making a little bit of other history and not good history. It's the first Marvel movie to be, certi be certified rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I think it's it's in the 40s right now. Uh, the worst reviewed Marvel movie yet, in spite of its diverse diverse and all star cast. Um, you know, if superhero movies were a stock baker, I would be short, short, short. Like it really feels like. Hollywood is just sort of like stripping the wire copper out of the ceiling phase. Of, of, <laughs> Can we make of a movie out of content. this? Can we do this? <laughs> uh, it's just like the genre is so tired. Like, what even uh. is this movie? It's like some Avengers ripoff. I don't, who are the Eternals? I don't even know what that is. Who are they? What is what, that? Wait, like by making the way, these characters up. And by the way, I mean, that's just the movie aspect to this. Think of the streaming aspect. When Disney got Marvel, think of all the different franchises that you're able to sort of create for the streaming platform on top of that. Uh, you, it's interesting because Eternals was supposed to be a big one for Marvel because they got Chloe Zhao, they got an Oscar-winning director, but a lot of people don't realize 
China is a huge, it's the number one mm -hmm. box office in the world. It's the number, they overtook the United States when it came to box yeah. office revenue about a year or so ago. Three of the top five highest grossing films of the last year are Chinese only films. Uh, so the expectation here is you might have a broad audience watching this, but because Chloe Zhao has criticized the Chinese government, this film is not even going to air in China whatsoever. So you're already sort of depressing the box office return yeah. already. So you're already hoping that basically the domestic return would outweigh all of the losses you would have internationally. But when you see that it's getting terrible reviews, it's certified yeah. rotten, that is not going to get people to go back out to the theater to go watch it, unfortunately, then. I just like, why would you? I, I don't know. I, I'm personally like very turned off by Marvel now. I used to kind of like these movies. Like I, I went to see all the Avengers movies and Iron Man and all that. Mm -hmm. But now it just feels it just feels very tired. And it just feels like, you know, they're just throwing it at the wall just to, to get, <laughs> you know, see what sticks. I don't know. No, listen, I'm with you I, as somebody who has never watched a single Marvel movie. I oh, understand. Really? <laughs> I understand. Uh, and right now we're going to keep that trend going. Okay, a little more to know before we go, Baker. All right, a nearly all-white jury has now been seated in the trial for the three men accused of killing Ahmad Arbery. The Georgia judge overseeing the trial acknowledged that the defense appeared to be intentionally discriminatory in repeatedly striking qualified potential jurors who were black, but allowed the case to actually move forward. Opening arguments start tomorrow in the highly charged Georgia trial. Now, this jury, interestingly, Carla, going to consist of 11 white people and only one black man on the jury. Uh, yeah, a U.S. military drone strike that killed 10 civilians, including 10, uh, ch uh, including seven children back in August. We've talked about this uh, story before. That uh, drone strike did not violate any laws of war, according to an internal Pentagon review. The DOD not recommending any disciplinary action for that mistaken strike, calling it a mistake, but not negligence. Official also Officials also confirmed that the surveillance video of that drone strike showed that there was at least one child in the area two minutes before the drone launched its missile. But uh, DOD officials saying that it would have been easy to miss in real time. Oh, what a crazy story, Carla. Yeah. Meanwhile, police are saying Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs was driving 156 miles an hour when his Corvette slammed into another car near the Vegas Strip, killing the driver. His blood alcohol level also more than twice the legal limit when this happened. God, the NFL is just full of uh, great role models, isn't it? Like <laughs> America, you know, it's America's sport and just like the worst people play it. Uh, anyway, finally, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Oh, watch. yes. Are you, are you following oh, this? You know, I have Google alerts for this already. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Kardashian and Davidson were seen out together last night in New York City at the Hotspot Zero Bond. But before that, they went out to dinner uh, on Pete Davidson's native Staten Island. This guy got Kim Kardashian to go to that Staten Island. That is impressive. Island. That is very yeah. impressive. Headlines I never thought I'd ever see. Yeah, they've been seeing each other. They've at least been spotted multiple times in a row. People Magazine is reporting sources close to Kim Kardashian are saying that they're just friends. But, of course, you can read into that as much as you want. We should also note the family also still filming their new Hulu series. So who knows if this is going to be a storyline on that as well. I'm just like, whatever this guy has got, I want oh, some of it. he's got <laughs> BF, what is it? Energy, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, BD Energy or whatever it is. He's funny. I like him. I like him. I think girls, women like funny men. I mean, it's not that complicated. No, right? and, and he's great on SNL. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we went off the rails as always, Baker, but we didn't curse, so that's good. Uh, yes. All right, yes. Guys. Thank goodness. Yay. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll do our uh, YouTube live chat and love hate day tomorrow, which is Friday. Until then, that's what you need to know for November fourth.